This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Our new mayor, Mike Johnston, is hard at work ending homelessness in his first term. A lofty goal, but is it ambitious enough for a city on the brink? Me and host Bree Davies are talking to a reporter who spent 21 hours at one of the epicenters of the crisis. Plus, another round of wins and fails. Today is Friday, September 8th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the show about the city whose sports fans have never been happier. The Broncos haven't started losing yet, and the Rockies finally get to stop. The Rockies, but that, did you read that story that was in the Colorado Sun that was like, I'm a rock, I'm not a Rockies fan, I just go to Coors Field all the time, I'm part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, they are, that is the <laughs> like problem. The, the Coors the Mon- Field experience is so good that people will go to watch a bad team. So the Monforts have no... Yeah reason to invest in the team yeah i saw a report this week i forget who had this but it was like uh the tv uh company that would normally airs their team their games they're not going to do it next year like i guess it's not worth it for them to air the games on tv <laughs> i i heard which rumors I they might be moving over to altitude but those are May- okay. dream rumors interesting interesting Regardless, Mr. Cronky consolidating anyone, the sports scene here. But you're not watching the Rockies on TV. You're going exactly, to right? Coors Field. Otherwise, it's just the Rockies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Bree's here. You've heard her voice. Uh, Hi. Hey, um, it's Friday. We're here at the 5280 Magazine studio, the beautiful studio. Um, and we have a great returning guest today, a senior reporter for Denverite. Welcome back, Kyle Harris. Hey, thanks. Hi, Hi Kyle. Hi. Um, so Kyle, um, I, I think I want to give a little bit of context and then we'll dive into, um, our conversation about your really great story this week. The context, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, you've probably already seen it just living in the city, but, um, homelessness is the top issue that our city is dealing with right now. It was the main issue in the mayoral race earlier this year. Uh, our new mayor, Mike Johnston, it's his number one priority. He's right in the middle of the rollout of his big new plan, uh, which includes uh, placing micro communities um, where people experiencing homelessness can live around the city. And now we're in the part where we're fighting about it. Um, There's people posting on Nextdoor. There's these town halls. So it's this big citywide conversation about where people are going to live and and what this problem really is and uh, trying to take seriously how we can uh, solve it. So Kyle, that, that brings us to your story, which is an interesting premise. Maybe we could just start with like, can you explain why you wanted to do this and what it was? Sure. So one of the things that we've noticed in Denver and that I've 
noticed in so many conversations with so many different communities is that tensions have really escalated. They've escalated between That's for sure. business folks and unhoused people, between workers and business owners, between workers and unhoused people, between unhoused people who are workers, and on and on and on. So there, there are a lot of tensions. There are a lot of concerns. And you know, Mayor Mike Johnston has been going around doing this um, multi-neighborhood tour talking to communities. And one of my editors was uh, at the presentation down near Broadway, and Ben Todd, who is the owner of Full Afterburner Calzones, was one of the speakers. And he was speaking this very- This is the Top Gun-themed calzone shop top, on Broadway. South Broadway. Top Gun-themed cool and or fighter jet-themed. So you go okay. in there, it's like a, an immersive experience with lots of information about fighter jet culture. Pilots come in. Um, they're going to be doing this weekend like a fighter jet pilot drinking tour of Can South Broadway. Can we just Broadway? make a note, Kyle, real quick of the direct opposition to what feels like the rest of South Broadway here, which is like hipstery. Yeah. You know? Anti-establishment. Kind of. Whereas, it's interesting. Okay, yeah. so Ben Todd, Ben Todd is his ben name. Ben Todd. Ben Todd loves fighter jets. So he opens his calzone shop. Um, you know, starts forming really lovely relationships with neighbors, particularly people on Saturday night, Friday night, who are drinking, um, coming in. They need to fill their stomachs with something that will uh, prevent them from having it's a hangover a late the night next spot. day. Yeah, he's open. Yeah. He's open till three a.m. There's not a lot of late night spots, which is wild. Sure, Denver has lost twenty four hour spots. Totally. And certainly late. Night which spots. honestly, a very interesting tangent to your story. How this is maybe part of why that is those late night spots are going away is because of situations Struggles like you with. wrote about here. So why'd you want to write time. about this guy? Why'd you want to <laughs> write about these calzones? Well, okay. So my editor goes down, hears him talk. He says, "Here's a business owner who's, you know, at his wit's end with crime in the neighborhood." with trying to figure out how to manage homelessness. And that was about all I knew. So, you know, middle of the day on that Wednesday, I go down to the shop and start talking to some of the workers who are so frustrated. They're worried about their cars. They've had their tip jars stolen by people. People have threatened their lives. Um, people have chucked a brick at the window. I mean, the workers are really tense. And then the owner comes in and the owner's like, I have a lot to tell you and I want to talk. So that night I show up and we spend about three hours chatting. We spent like an hour talking fighter jets. And, you know, I, I got my PhD in, in fighter jets <laughs> in that hour. Um, <laughs> some time talking about Ironman triathlons. And then we started talking about some of the issues he's been dealing with. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, Ben Todd's one of these guys who has called the police. He's tried to use law enforcement to address the issues. Um, response times, as he tells it, have been slower than he would like. Uh, so a lot of folks have gotten away after doing stuff, and he's decided to um, – Take matters yeah, into his own hands. Yeah, yeah. So that you tell a story about some zip ties and a scooter. Can you just explain that? I think that was the one that made it clear to me what yeah, exactly so, he's doing. Um, here's an example. An 18-year-old, um, the the gender of this person's unknown, so I'll use it. They then pronounce just yeah. be on the safe side. Um, this 18-year-old shows up to the shop, steals the tip jar. There's a confrontation. Uh, later, chucks a brick at the window. Ben comes down and he's frustrated and he realizes this person's probably nearby. So he goes out on his scooter, chases the person down. He keeps zip ties in his shop in case things get out of control, right? Like hmm. 
drunks after hours, whatever. If he needs to detain like, someone, he has a tool ha- to do so. Homemade handcuffs, yeah. kind of. Okay. Yeah. And I so, didn't realize that's something someone would do. That just didn't strike me as a, a possible option in life. I feel like this guy knows honestly. tactical stuff. Oh, yeah. This, so this guy has like a training like, as a black uh, belt. Yeah. He is... Um, it's yeah, he, he understands so self-defense. So but he's yeah. also not... I mean, one of the interesting things is he's not like... Um, in into concealed carry like he doesn't carry a gun which one might assume like a lot of people in colorado carry guns Uh, he has zip ties and so he's kind of on a a spectrum of self-defense where he doesn't want to kill anyone Um, and some people in town do uh so the zip tie for him is the alternative so he chases this kid down zip ties the person and brings them back to the shop to apologize to the workers. And he basically says, you have three options, uh, pain, shame, or the police. So he doesn't want to do pain. And the the young person's kind of going back and forth and back and forth, um, apologizing, and then also being really frustrated. Um, So the young person has recently been living with their grandmother. So the solution they come up with is we're going to call the grandmother down here and let her take take care of this. So this is like probably the shame option. So the grandmother comes down and ultimately the grandmother calls the police on the young person who then goes to to jail. This is an 18 year old. So it's an adult. Um, The person's an adult, but uh, still fairly young. Fairly, yeah. So Ben has left his scooter wherever he detained this 18 year old realizes it's been stolen. He has a GPS tracker on it. So he goes to track down the people who stole his scooter. They won't give it back. Uh, There's a chase. There's another confrontation. And he has a gun pulled on him. And he backs off at this point. It's not worth dying over a scooter is his take. Hmm. Um, So he goes home. But, you know, he's at a point where, as, as he explains it, he has been pushed to his limits. He's worried about the safety of his workers who've had their lives threatened. You know, he he's at his wit's end. He's trying to run a community calzone shop. He cares about the other businesses down there. He cares about the community. Um, he doesn't feel like the police, for whatever reason, and, and he's uncertain what that reason is, have been able to be as responsive as he would like them to be. Hmm. So he has taken a self-defense and sort of shop defense, worker defense perspective. And that's his take on where things are. So, so that brings me actually to something I wanted to ask you about, Bree. And this is um, this is a line from your story, Kyle. Uh, you clarified that Ben Todd does not want to be viewed as a vigilante. He said, quote, I would prefer to be characterized as someone who is defending my legal boundaries and caring a great deal about my community, which is overrun by junkies and criminals. He says, I simply hope it doesn't claim my life as it has with others. I, I thought about that line a lot, Kyle, because he says I'm not a vigilante and that's like the first thing I think about when I think about someone carrying around zip ties and chasing people on their own volition and doing these things that the police normally do which is a whole other conversation but um and then that part about I I I have sympathy for him as a business owner it's a struggle I can't imagine what it's like to run a business in a world where economically people are struggling so hard that they're stealing tip jars and this is not just South Broadway I was at Pinkberry on Colorado Boulevard, and they have a tip jar behind the counter that says, it's been stolen three times. Please tip us and give it to us directly. Like, So at any rate, um, I do then think, I don't know if he actually views people as people when he calls them junkies. And this is just a, it's just a signal to me that somebody doesn't fully understand 
what somebody is going through when they're in the throes of addiction. The dehumanization has been such a consistent theme in this conversation. I think that's a big reason why there's such a lack of trust and uh, and empathy around this conversation. I mean, it's so hard. Um, Kyle, there's so many other things to talk about here. I kind of want to talk about Gregory Down, who's someone who is um, living in the alley behind the Calzone shop. So I, I don't know. I mean, another quote from your piece, Down says unhoused people are ready to riot over how they're being treated. Some people on the street have served time for arson, and he's heard rumors that one of them is considered burning down the block if things get bad enough. Yeah. Um, what did you make of that when you when he said that to you? Well, you know, I think one of my goals, and I think this comes back to the kind of do you describe people as junkies or do you describe people as vigilantes or like do we use these terms to kind of generalize about people in a way that we can understand them? I think people in general are being pressed to a, a tipping point. And I think that the business owners consistently, whatever their tactics and strategies are, are burned out and tired of – the shoplifting, the threats, outbursts, whatnot. I think for unhoused folks, they also are at a tipping point because they often experience being poorly treated, called names. Um, cars sometimes circle the block and they're yeah. uncertain whether these people are stalking them. He used the term gang stalker. Um, you know, he had an interesting interaction with Ben where Bing came out, gave him a water bottle and said, please, you know, actually move to along. a few people, move along, move along. Like we have an agreement here, right? Um, Gregory didn't move along. And then they had a kind of tense conversation um, about whether he should, um, whether sort of militant tactics to get people to move are a good idea. And in that conversation, Gregory talked about, you know, he said something to the effect of, uh, I can get someone um, for $10 of crack, I can get someone to come down here and crack your jaw. Like that was what was yeah. going on in his head. So people are scared. They're afraid. And, you know, they don't have a lot of resources. They're being treated poorly. He said something also to the effect of if you treat people like an animal long enough, pretty soon they're going to act like an animal. That's a paraphrase. Um, so I think from his perspective, the unhoused people on that that block are losing it. But Kyle, so you said your your editor sees this b business owner speak at a at a homelessness uh, forum, and it's like, hey, this is a person we should talk to. But even in writing it, you're making a decision on who you talk to and who you present in this story. And I just want to know, like, this isn't based on a news. You know what I mean? This wasn't like a news tip, right? This is sort of a scenes from. What did you hope the reader got from? reading this snapshot that you took of a night on Broadway? I mean, for me, the question and, and the reason we moved forward with this particular story is that there have been a lot of rumors from unhoused people that things are getting messy, that they're being attacked. And there's a spectrum of attacks on unhoused people that I've heard about that extend far beyond what Ben Todd's doing. Um, I have not been able to pin all those down in a way that yeah, I feel I mean, comfortable is... reporting them. But he is, you know, he's someone who also hires unhoused people. Sure. He's someone who does occasionally give food water away. Um, he tries, he, he's respected among some of the unhoused people on the block. Uh, so to me, what's interesting about that one night on Broadway is how many perspectives there are how many ways people are processing what's going on in Denver, the class tensions that are going on in Denver, 
um, the frustrations, the anxieties. And they're things that I think, you know, in my own reporting, in Denver Rights reporting, we spend a lot of time at the level of talking to, to unhoused folks. Um, we have historically spent a little bit less time talking about the experiences of business owners and workers. Um, so trying to understand kind of what's going on in their brains, that's really interesting to me, what tensions they're yeah. feeling. And they're, they're a voice that in the conversations, even with the mayor, I think sometimes those communities feel like they're, they're unheard. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I took away from the story was those inter that interconnectedness of all of these different aspects and like people from all different backgrounds living together, like uncertain blocks where it comes together. Like this sounds like one of them. Another one, I was just talking to some um, some folks at a, a ping pong party tournament thing last night, which was <laughs> so fun. Isn't it nice that the weather's um, the weather is changing? Great. <laughs> uh, but they were we, there was some Woods Boss Brewery, some beers there. Someone brought some. They were a fan of the brewery. That's right on that corner at 22nd and Stout across from the Mercury Cafe where Johnston did oh, his first yeah. um, encampment sweep. And everyone was like, yeah, I love that brewery. Haven't been down there in a while. Yeah. Haven't been down there in a while. Not a great, not a fun spot to be. It's, and it just is. It's just not. It just, it doesn't work. And it's because of stuff like that. Well, I think the reality is it's not fun for Anyone. Anyone. Exactly. Right. No yeah. one's right. having a great time right now. Um, I mean, someone's probably having a great time. I often do. But I, if we're, I mean, too, but if too we're really tuned into the other people around us in these situations where we have these social dynamics that separate who we are, yeah. we're aware of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot about the mayor in this context because he, he came into office with promises of ending homelessness in four years. Yeah. He has a goal right now to house a thousand people off the streets by December. That is a slow process. You know, maybe he'll be hitting that goal in November or December. Um, in the meantime, people are very stressed out. They're stressed out on the street. He talked about how sweeps don't work during the election. He also yeah. carefully said he was still in favor of keeping the urban camping ban in place and being uh, able to use those tools in cases of public safety, public health, et cetera. Um, so to me, it's fascinating because, you know, and this this speaks to to that section near Stoughton, 21st, 22nd. Mm -hmm. um, he's had sweeps there, right? Yeah. He had his first sweep there. He mm -hmm. moved an entire block of people. Everyone with the city knew those folks were moving to another block. There were a couple people I saw. I was there that morning. There were a couple people I saw who, who were able to access resources. The vast majority knew they were just being relocated. When the city acknowledges that doesn't work, the people acknowledge that doesn't work. Why are we still we, doing it? Why are we doing it? But but in this case, there were public safety issues. There were health issues. Right. There were rats. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is this is for Mayor Johnston to decide. He, he's the one leading this. Um, and we will uh, we'll be talking to you as you write more killer stories like this one. This one was just fantastic. If you haven't read it yet, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, call in. Let us know what you think about it. I mean, if you know this calzone shop, if you know this strip, if you have one of those perspectives, if, you, if you're if you have a personal connection to this situation, I would love to hear about that. Um, call in, leave us a voicemail, 720-500-5418. Again, that's 720-500-5418. We got to take a quick break and get to a segment whose name is still under debate. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. 
I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. All right, we're back. We're going to do our favorite segment that I like to call Wins and Fails, but I acknowledge that there might be a better name out there. I'm going to play a little voicemail here from a listener on this. Hey, Bree. It's Jenny from University Hills, uh, University Park. Sorry. Um, Hey, so you know what? Remember that last message I left you where I had this, like, whole rant about how it sounded moronic about how you were, like, well, okay, here's the I was high when I was trying to call you and tell you about your mile high highs, how there's too many highs, and boom, isn't that ironic? Anyway, I just wanted to clear it up. I did have a really good thought. I just, you know, kind of went off on the brown tangent that I think there's too many highs in mile high highs and lows, and I think that you should call it Rocky Mountain highs and lows, which I think I got that part out earlier, but one out, one. Anywho, hope you're having a great day. Bye. <laughs> I love our listeners. I'm just going to say it. Jenny, I appreciate your apology. It was it was a little hurtful that you hated my mile high highs so much. But I also, too, have been too high and made bad decisions mm-hmm. before. And I appreciate your candor. Okay. Yeah. So, Kyle, catch up. We've been having this ongoing conversation about what to call wins and fails. Should we call it Rocky Mountain highs and Rocky Mountain lows? Or Rocky Mountain high highs and lows. I say mile like, highs and below sea levels. And, <laughs> <laughs> and below sea levels. I kind of like Rocky Mountain highs and Rocky Mountain lows. I don't know. I mean, I like Jenny's idea. We'll, we'll keep. Per- we'll keep. <laughs> we'll see how it feels we'll next week. Percolating. <laughs> anyway, um, let's just do it. Uh, so first is Rocky Mountain lows. Uh, who wants to start with a Rocky Mountain low? Can you go? Sure. Okay. I have a story from my uh, vacation last week. I, uh, my wife and I drove down to northern New Mexico and uh, so San jealous. Luis Valley. It was so just jealous. lovely. You know, get away, get away from the buzz, oh, stuff like social such a media. a great part of the country. Uh, um, we ate red chili. We stayed at the, uh, the Frontier Drive-In outside <sighs> of Center, which I talked about on the show like maybe a couple months ago. It's this like refurbished, super fancy now glamping drive-in movie experience. Um, Paul, we should sh- share with listeners the picture the that you took and then the picture that we I took. Because I had been to Frontier in like 2014 and it was like abandoned. Mm-hmm. And then now it's all fancy. Yeah. yeah we should, those. Yeah. I mean, that was a fun day um, actually recreating those photos. Anyway, so uh, fun spot. Uh, and then the sun goes down. The stars come out. Wally is playing. I'm crying. <laughs> and in the sky, there's this, these lights, this train of lights, this eerie train of lights, like 12 lights in a row in a straight line that just zip across the night sky. Did you see aliens, Paul? Well, that's what we were talking about. Like, there were what are these lights? recently of yes, whatever they call them. I call them UFOs, but there's a new term. I'm with you. Um, 
There, there were reports about this yeah. right around then. Southern cholera. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. This is the thing. Other people saw this too. Um, so at the time, we didn't know what it was. Speculated UFOs, Wallies, etc. Um, I found out this week, you know what it was? Starlink. It was Elon Musk was in the Elon. sky. His uh, freaking internet he service. Why ruining everything? Isn't that just like, oh, God. First like, he ruins oh. Twitter. Now Elon's he gonna show ruins up at our my dreams of UFOs. Yeah. At a drive-in Dang it. in the San Luis Valley. What a perfect place to see UFOs. It's the place. Anyway. Ugh. So Lame. I, okay. I identified those flying objects and was bummed. Um, all right. Kyle. Kyle. All right. So this is the the sad one. So while we were out reporting the Calzone story, we caught up with Barry at Barry's on Broadway who stands out front. He greets everyone, checks IDs. A wonderful Denver icon. Barry's on Broadway is closing. Oh. Kevin reported about it yesterday in Denverite and just seeing another couple decade institution from a guy who's been involved in bars and restaurants here for many decades is sad. But the silver lining is mm-hmm. that Barry seems quite content with this decision Time to and retire. is moving on. Yeah. Hmm. So I will I will say I never went to Barry's because it used to be the Skylark. Yes. (laughs) And then they closed it and we were like and they were like the rumor was they were not they didn't want to renew the lease on a bar. So they moved the Skylark down the street and then they opened Barry's and we were like, what the hell? That's but then it was there for 15, 20 years, 20 years, 20 years. So, yeah, good for Barry for retiring. um, All right, Brie. Okay, so I. Front page of Westward, activist musician, I'm leaving his name out. You can go find this for yourself. Pleads guilty to attempted sexual assault on a minor. Okay, bummer to begin with, first of all. Mm -hmm. Sucks. If anybody was soliciting my child online, I would probably murder them for sure. However, I know this person's my friend. And the reason that this story really struck me was he was well known in the community for going after bands who had supposedly allegedly have members that have sexually assaulted other people. He was known for calling venues and getting shows canceled if the band used Nazi imagery. I mean, things that now looking back a little bit, I don't know if that approach is the best approach to restorative conversations around bands and how we present our art and, Blah, blah, blah. At any rate, I, I also feel a little bit like I don't know if cancel in the way that cancellation was being used in these senses was the best way to go. But the, the struggle that I have here with this story is like, how is this person not looking inside their own house and finding out what was going wrong when they were out here pointing their fingers and screaming at everyone else to get their stuff together and deal with their problems? And clearly he was not dealing with his. And it just felt like the, yeah. this story was interesting because there was conversations from bands that had been targeted by him. And they were like, we didn't really get a chance to have any say in this conversation. I don't know. What a wild, unfortunate <laughs> comment. Kyle, but- are you familiar with the situation? Yes. So I've written about this person multiple times when right. I was they were musical activist, editor. A very at, at prominent activist here. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's a very interesting situation because this is one of the loudest mm-hmm. people and most, frankly, dogmatic people. I don't think that. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually an he was very loud, very dogmatic, um, aggressive in pointing the finger, and I, I think it's in some ways to me there. There's a piece here that's like a 
cautionary tale Kinda, about yeah. what happens when folks pile on. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to get to. Thank you. And I, I you is know, piling on worth like, is it working? Are we getting anywhere with that? That is a Rocky Mountain low. Yeah, There's the no lowest. other word for it. Let's talk about uh, the Rocky Mountain highs. Who wants to who wants to take us uh, take us away with a Rocky Mountain high? I'll start. Sure. Colorado's first abortion clinic turns 50. So the Boulder Valley Health hmm. Center opened in 1973. They have been in continuous operation since then. They have not only provided abortions, but also uh, all sorts of health care. They've recently changed their name from the Boulder Valley Women's Health Center to the Boulder Valley Health Center to reflect the fact that they support and help all sorts of folks through reproductive health, but other health uh, issues in general. Um, but what I found really startling was they've seen a 200 to 300% increase in call volume and an increase in patients at that level since the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Um, and more than 50% of their patients each week that come in for abortion care are from out of the state compared to the 10% they were seeing before. So I, I highlight those numbers to say their work is invaluable. And in, it's incredible that they have continuously operated for 50 years in the state. And I'm very proud to live in a place where we support that kind of care for all kinds of people. Yeah, pride's the right word for it. I, I was just, at the, at the aforementioned uh, backyard ping pong tournament, um, I was talking with an old friend who I hadn't seen in a while, and and I, she was just saying that she'd gone through a period where she was feeling like kind of down on Denver, which, you know, we all go relatable. Through. Yeah. Um, but then she got involved with uh, the Colorado Doula Project, and she started volunteering. That's awesome. And she's been like driving people to and from abortions. And it, uh, one, that's, Awesome. Badass. Very cool. But it's, she was like, it's got me feeling proud again. I've been so proud of our reproductive health care community and how, how strong we are. Access is love. It's great. So, it's great. I love it. All right. Uh, Kyle, you want to go next or should I? Uh, I can. Go I can. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, Nate Miner and Kevin Beatty went to this bike bus in Sloan's Lake, oh, or yeah. Sloan Lake. You'll, this is a you'll, very <laughs> sweet story. Sloan's Lake, colloquially. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, so Brown's International Academy has um, all sorts of transportation issues. And Alan, oh God, is it oh, Cowgill or Cogill? Thank yeah, you. Alan Sorry, Kogel. Alan. Um, you know, Alan has organized this incredible bike bus thing with all these kids who get to ride their bikes to school. And as I understand it, they're doing it every two weeks this year. The kids are so excited and enthusiastic about it. As someone with a kid, I am just thrilled to see ways of getting children back on bikes on the way to school. It's something that 40, 50 years ago was sort of status quo. Kids could ride their bikes to school safely. That's less uh, safe now. And having this kind of um, beautiful event just like warms my heart. And even though I like bike my kid to school, occasionally um, thinking about Phoenix, my child, getting to do that on their own is so cool. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. No, I saw some of those pictures. That was, uh, that was a really fun story. I, I also really loved that. Just like seeing all those kids bike to school. I remember doing that as a kid. It was so Glad cute in the newsroom. Nate was just glowing. And uh, it was- Friend of the was, show, transport yeah. our favorite transportation freak, Nate Miner. <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> I loved it too because the group ride helps kids get used to riding their bikes in a way that feels safe. And so um, it's just planting the seed totally. for them. Totally. Like, this is a possibility. All right, my turn. My turn. Okay, Paul, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap us up here. So I was looking all week, like, what's what's going to be my win? And um, I was reading the news. And uh, 
it's just obvious. Like, it's undeniable. The win of the week is Deion Sanders and the CU Buffs football team. To take this team from a 1-11 record and totally turn it around and come out with an upset victory over Texas Christian last Saturday in Texas, 45-42, incredible. But the best part, his post-game interview where he is speaking to the haters and calling out journalists by name, but then what really struck me is when he's talking about his players, like the stars who just excelled on the field, like his son, the starting quarterback, who... It set this CU school record. He's talking about this and he's just like so clearly glowing and proud and he's like fatherly. He's a role model. And I, I, I just have to say that from Bomani Jones, I saw on a documentary about uh, high school football. He's like a sports commentator guy and he offered this insight about coach, what it means to be a coach. There's some titles in society that just supersede Mr. and Mrs. You, you're always a doctor if you're a doctor. And he said coach is that way. You're always a coach. And I just thought that post-game interview with Deion Sanders, he was he was a coach. He was he was our oh, coach I love that this day. Turn. It made me emotional. I, I just I this turn for you is yeah. now a buffs you just cartwheeled onto that bandwagon. I love it. I, I still have <laughs> complicated feelings about the university and what it could do because <laughs> I want CU to succeed but but it it's undeniable a it's moment. just undeniable what this guy has got going he has got us to care about the buffs for those of us in Colorado that don't yeah no <laughs> I, I think it's like a good it's the heartwarming thing that reminds you what sports do for people who are not playing them directly why you care yeah it's like I feel good yeah I love it hey you know we got Neon Dion, primetime. He's our guy. He's our guy. He's our guy. He's our coach. I love it. Um, all right. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for, for being on the show again. You got to come back soon. Thank you. It's always fun. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Paul. And that's all for the week here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, Natalie Rivera, and Olivia Jewel Love. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mochachetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at CityCast Denver. And tell Tom Cruise, a.k.a. Pete Maverick Mitchell, about us the next time you see him. You can sign up for that daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week.